Live. Live. This is the Vision View Sports Show. We are live on BBSR.live and Vision View TV with Cesar Mabena, DK Chavalala, Chloe Grace, and Tanaka Mundwa. What are you, sports fans? Welcome to it once again, the Vision View Sports Show. Myself, uh, Cesar Mabena, with Tanaka Mundwa today. Tens, you good, my guy? Yeah, man. Jukis is home. It's just the boys. Yeah. Yeah, Jukis is home. Jukis is so Yo, can cool. I tell you, I'm so upset. It's just the two of us. We can discuss Jukis yeah, as we can much have as a, you want. You know, we're we going to sit here and just park on MMA and, and, and combat sport for the next two hours. But you know? Jukis came home yesterday. Yeah. Can I tell you my experience of Jukis yeah. coming home? So, Wednesday night, I, I kind of catch wind that Jukis is coming. And I think to myself, she's... I'd been asking you guys if, mm. if at all you'd be interested in going to the airport, yep. asking on other various fight groups that I'm on and platforms that I'm on. The response before the fight was, absolutely. Should he win it? We're all going. Um, Wednesday nights, I send the messages around again. Everyone's like, nah, uh, not interested. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of sleep and I decide, okay, I'm going to wake up and get to the airport. He's landing at 7.30 in the morning. Yep. Traffic considered, you have to leave quite exactly. early. So I'm up at like 5. Exactly. Uh, eventually, get on the road at like 6.30. Get to the airport around 7.30. Um, there is a, a small gathering of people. Um, if I were to guess... Off the top of my head, without doing any official kind of counts, like 130 people. Yeah. 150 people. Not bad. So maybe, maybe 100 people who had actually traveled to see him, yeah. and then the other 50 were just people who were around the Wondering airport. Wondering what's going like, on. Like, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he, he... So I realized quickly that there's a barrier. There's a bunch of police, an insane amount of police, given the small gathering of people that mm. it was. Um, and then I hear you have to have accreditation. What? So... To be in that space. To be, yeah, to get, to get behind the barrier. Okay, yeah, Where yeah. the media is. Yes. I see a bunch of our colleagues from the ENCA and uh, different media outlets, newsroom and, and all those places. Um, and then I meet, I call Matlati, our good friend. Matlati, I'm like, you know, I'm stuck at the coppers here. Can yeah. you come in and help? He gets the guy who gave him the accreditation pass. Yeah. White guy comes over. Oh, who's this guy? Where's he from? And he's asking about me. Matlati's like, no, nah, this is my dude. We work together. And, uh, mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll come back, but you're late. I'm like, okay. I don't know what it means to be late, but yeah. in a setting like this, but yeah. I'm here. Uh, anyway, I'm stood out behind the barrier. He gives me the runaround. He keeps coming back. Yeah, I know. Uh, I have to sort something out first. I'll come back. Um, long story short, he comes back once, two or three more times after that. Doesn't give me the accreditation, so I'm stood behind the barrier. Drickus comes out, has the whole moment with the belt in hand. Shit. Looks visibly tired, though, I'll be honest. Yeah. He didn't look super energetic. Like, yeah. I would have thought you coming out with the belt, uh, you know, for the very first time, the energy would be different. But he, he kind of, you know, kind of gave us the little hoist of the belt and then walked through to some me- the media room. They kind of rushed him into the media room, which I wasn't allowed to get into either. Yeah. Because I don't have this accreditation. Sure. And this guy who, if we had done this podcast yesterday, I would have used much stronger expletives to describe him, right? <laughs> like, I don't know why he keeps trying to play me like, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. I'm just, you know... Um, one second. And I'm like, bro, this is, you heard that I'm part of the space. Yes. So you're just denying me an opportunity to do my job. Yeah. Which was upsetting. So never got to ask you any questions. Ultimately never got into a media room. Um, stood outside and when Trickers came out, he was signing a bunch of autographs and I, I left kind of in protest. Um, but that was his arrival. Mm-hmm. Which, if you looked at the video I posted online, I don't know if you saw it. No. On my Twitter and on my Instagram. Where well, Caesar clearly doesn't follow me, which is fine. No, I follow- um, <laughs> the video actually makes it look like, and I saw the videos that people posting makes it look like there was a lot more people than actually then, was. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, you, because when I looked, it looked packed. I'm thinking, yeah. no man. And then I read one report that says um, his arrival was something akin to the Springbok arrival. I was like, nah. Like the, yeah, people were trying to sell it like um, Springboks. Springboks. You have to have good camera angles to 
to sand like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. and I looked at the video I posted as well and I was like it really did look like mm. there was a lot happening now this is not an indictment on him as opposed to and the conversation I had with Graham yesterday who was the VP at the EFC yeah. more so that people don't really appreciate still MMA so I think we kind of got a sense of the achievements and what it meant to South Africa um, on Sunday yeah. but the appreciation really isn't there I, I don't suppose should Drikas um, fight Israel Adesanya the same people who woke up to see him potentially win the belt and, and win the belt yeah. are going to wake up to watch him fight Adesanya yeah, well that's the thing um, he said some things uh, yesterday, according to reports that I read, that I found pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. For one, he wants to fight to the Sunday here. Yeah. Um, if that is to happen, uh, there'll be a whole lot more attention on the sport here in South Africa. That's for sure. Absolutely. That goes without a doubt. And then, also, in reading some of the reports, uh, statements made yesterday, um, it's an interesting year in South Africa. The, the elections are coming up. Oh, yes. Um, and, and that's when I thought to myself, when I saw the one headline where I didn't go into the article, I just saw the headline because I was working throughout the day yesterday. Um, where he's taking a dig at the ANC government. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, fine. I have no issue with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Um, uh, what his feelings are, and he's, I think he said something along the lines, it's the most corrupt government in the world. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I thought to myself, should this Adesanya bout happen? And should it take place here in South Africa? Yeah. Everybody will be watching. Because yeah. everyone will be like, what's going on? Who's this Adesanya kid? And yeah. they'll start doing their research yeah. and find out where, what the beef is. And then we'll have that, that, that divide you and I have been talking about for the mm. past four months. You know, we'll be like, then we'll see how many South Africans are on the left side, if it's, if it's the Arizona side, and the right side, yeah. if it is the Trika's side. Because I think even those statements, because um, as true as they may be, if you are brutally honest, there'll still, there'll still be a few black people that go, ah, that's yeah. just in the ANC right. now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they'll then maybe be forced to take the Adesanya side. I spoke to black people who actually felt like that yesterday. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously? So, it felt like I was a bit of a fanboy yesterday. Yeah. After the airport, he's going to multi-choice. Yeah. I was here, however, and our recordings kind of ran over. Yeah. So, I missed him at multi-choice. Yeah, I left you here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I missed him at multi-choice. Um, but a couple, when I arrived at multi-choice to see friends and stuff, True. kind of to assess also what kind of gathering they had. Mm. Um, it was their position, two of them, who I sat with, similar to what you've described. Um, that veil was kind of pulled off immediately after he won the fights and then those comments he made. Yeah. Uh, firstly about the farm stuff and then about the, the political scene in South Africa. That kind of made them feel like, mm, bugger this guy, you know? Uh, great achievement, wrong guy. So I saw a, um, a thing with Dana White where he says people have no idea how big the fight with Adesanya actually will be mm. once they book it. Like, as in, we think... I think you and I have yeah. had this wish yeah. that it happens because yeah. we understand how big this yeah. could be, especially for the African continent. Absolutely. Um, I don't think the rest of the world will get it, um, like, until it happens. Yeah. Because then attention will be down to Africa, and then we'll get all these opinions. And depending on where you are in the world and where your stance is, mm. you'll pick your guy. Yeah. Um, and just in the way of what the UFC does with free speech... Um, say what you want. I have no problem with Dika saying what he says about the ANC. I mean, you can stand course, there and diss the DA as much. That, that doesn't affect me at all. Fair enough. Um, so, but what I like about it is how you sell a fight. Mm. And this fight is just selling it to the African continent. Bro, you couldn't ask for a better matchup. It's, it's, 
the narrative is crazy, but because they'll be like, oh, the colonizer against yeah, yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> you know what I mean? The 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 the, the guy that came from uh, disadvantaged background who had to leave his country yeah. for a better life. You know what I mean? It's it's the perfect setup. It really is. And it's just the way of the history of the world, and there's no better way to sell a fight. For me, it's just the most sellable fight. Just by the way, um, three hundred seems. Possible. Trickus has made himself available for 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking 300, yes. His manager said he's available. We know. And I think Izzy also hinted. Yeah. um, I think he would love to headline that card. Yeah, because... Dana said there are a few fights that they're looking at to headline, and that could be one of them. Um, apparently, Izzy, I read, Guti, um, there's uh, this one video he shot. I never saw the video myself, but um, he's standing there, and he's like... So here we go again, Mm. but there's a South African flag here. Oh, really? As he goes gymming. Oh, really? I didn't see the video either. That's a hint. That's a hint. That's like that's like yo. Th- here we think, go again. And, yeah, for sure. And they were talking. They were they were they were, they were speculating maybe three hundred. So and by three hundred we mean UFC three hundred. Just so those people understand. Absolutely. And yeah. That's just yeah. Uh, it it will happen. It's the only fight that makes sense. Look, we spoke about this, so I'm not going to go into it again. But I think it's the, it's the fight that makes the most sense. It's the fight that I think Israel Adesanya was up for. He never really got up for that Sean Strickland, Strickland fight. Nah. Yeah, he never there was really nothing inspiring it. about it. There was nothing motivating. The Drickus fight was where the energy was. Yes. Um, and I think when you get to the level that Israel Adesanya is at, and, and I don't want to, well, I guess, let me play devil's advocate, you're kind of looking for reasons to get up. Mm. You know, It's not enough just to fight the next number two guy when you've lapped these guys twice already. It's, it's, you're looking for a narrative. You're looking for something to get the blood pumping again. Pay-per-view, sell the fight. Exactly. To, 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 to do your, your bit of, yeah. of, of marketing the fight as well. I think Israel Adesanya picked fights where it was just purely about beating the next guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely had those fights. Where yes. There was nothing to it, but he just wanted to beat that person. Uh, th- this fight makes the most sense. And I think Drick is making himself available for, 200, for 300 yeah. means that something has been said. But Drick has also learned the happen. lesson. Yeah. Um, especially now that you're champion. What made Izzy so successful, and I reckon so wealthy as well, um, as opposed to other EFC guys over the last five years, UFC guys, yeah. after, over, um, over the last five years, he was the busiest champion. Yeah, fact. He was the, as soon as he finished the fight, he was booking next, the next fight yeah. today after this fight. Yeah. So he was clever in who he picked, how he then called out that person mm. and followed it up. Yeah. Um, going forward, that was just that was brilliant. I don't I don't know anyone that did it that well, other than maybe Conor McGregor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as far as a sellable fight, right, where you divide the world, the last fight I could think of that did this was Conor McGregor and mm. um, Khabib, because mm. of Conor's angle in selling yeah, the yeah. fight, where he he went all historic and you know what I mean. I agree. In the way of the world, where we were then between the world and you know what I mean, and how um, maybe the Muslims felt at the time, and, and Conor took advantage of that mm-hmm. to sell the fight, and it worked. It sold the fight. I, I know it'll be big, should it happen, and I think it's going to happen for sure. I think three hundred for sure. I think for sure. Even because for it is how anticlimactic would it be if it's Trickus and Jared Cannonier, Mark no, Vittori? No, Vittori. Really? No. Uh, really? No. That'll be disappointing. But again, also excited to see. How many of the people woke up this past Sunday to watch him win will be will be there for his next or first title defense? Mm. Um, so, in terms of UFC Africa, I was speaking to Graham about that as well. Yeah, Graham was pessimistic um, about the prospects of UFC coming to South Africa or Africa in general. Um, partly because, and it's a feeling that I had initially. So Dana White comes out and says, "Yeah, it has to be Africa after Drickers wins." But we also remember Dana White saying that after Kamaru won. 
after Ngannou won, after Israel Adesanya won, after all three of them were champions for a bit of a stretch, Dana was championing UFC Africa. And we never moved an inch towards anything happening in Africa, not even a banner, not even a little, this space is what we've identified. I, I don't believe it's coming. Um, neither does Graham. Do you want to chime if I tell you his reasons why? Well, to tell me his reasons why, Wayton. He, so he says the markets in Africa, firstly, um, it doesn't feel like there'll be a big return on investment for the UFC. He also spoke about their sponsors. Um, from the inside of the business, this is the inside of the business angle, mm -hmm. that the sponsors, typically when you're moving your production around, will say, well, there's no benefit of us being in that particular region and sponsoring that event because it doesn't align with Bud our Light. region or whatever else. Like, let's say Bud Light. Yeah, for, four, for yeah. sure, Bud Light. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the benefit of us being... Because they're a terrible beer. Yeah, yeah. What's the benefit of and us we being don't in drink Nigeria that. <laughs> like, if these dudes don't drink Bud Lights. Yeah. We're not even in that market. Yeah. So he said from an investor's perspective and a, and a simple return on investment perspective, he doesn't feel like the UFC is anywhere near coming to Africa mm -hmm. unless, of course, there's major backing, a la what almost happened with F1, where private investors had to come on board and say, we want it here and we are willing to fit the bill. Um, he also went as far as to say, UFC tickets are a million rand each, right? Now in the literal sense, a ticket in the, the furthest part of uh, the arena is seven hundred dollars, mm. right? Which translates to some fifteen thousand rand, give or take, uh, mm. for the cheapest tickets to watch a UFC event. If UFC come to Africa, Nigeria potentially, South Africa, the landscape is very different. Fifteen thousand is a VVIP. Did <laughs> you get me? Like, that's not what you want to pay for a ticket at the back. So already you're looking at it from a pricing perspective. Either South Africans have a lot more money than we thought, or Africans have a lot more money than we thought and are willing to pay 15 cents at the back, or the UFC has to come here and drop their prices significantly to cater to this market, mm -hmm. which again is another difficult thing. So Graham kind of gave an interesting perspective from what it takes to put on fights as a promoter himself and as yeah. someone who knows the behind the scenes of the business and why, yeah. despite the UFC having said for a long time, Africa's next, they haven't moved anything at all. Dana White didn't even have, when he said it for three years, consistently didn't even have a place in Africa. They, they didn't do any sort of scouting at all to say this stadium or this arena in Nigeria, in Cameroon or wherever else. So he feels it's unlikely and I, I, I think it's unlikely as well. I can't, I can't argue those reasons. Um, and he should know better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but just looking at it, whenever he said it, Dana White, to look, Africa's next, when Kamaru was doing well, um, I never bought into it because mm. we're going to take it to Nigeria. Mm. Um, and with all due respect to Nigeria, it just didn't make sense. There's a reason why um, Nigeria hasn't uh, hosted a World Cup of any form, um, other than Junior World Cups. Mm. There's, there's just, and also, the sport in Nigeria isn't that big. And I'd like to think the market here uh, for MMA is bigger than Nigeria. One. Two, Cameroon, forget about it. Um, when um, the heavyweight champion... Ngano. Ngannou was, 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 was rocking the UFC. So forget about Cameroon. Uh, right off the bat, same reasons. Um, I, don't, I can't imagine there's too many Cameroonians that are watching MMA. Mm. Not too many. Yes, there may be some now that are taking interest with what's happened over the last five years, but again, the numbers don't match South Africa. Now, South Africa is a different market altogether because we do have a nice mix between um, African-Africans and European-Africans, so to speak. And a lot of the markets will come from the white side of South Africa. Uh, and that said, there's maybe a bit more money 
and the way of fans. Now, UFC arenas, how, how many fans are we talking? I think it was 18,000 yeah, in Canada. Like 20,000 in the big 18, one. Yeah, 18, Canada 18, was 18,000. Um, do we have a venue that could take 18,000? More than many. Well. Do we? 18,000. You probably have to go to a stadium. A stadium is 60,000. But you have to go to a stadium. But if, if you were to go to a stadium, could you fill it? And then you'd have your numbers. Then you could drop prices and have your numbers. And have more people. Um, when, three times the numbers. Where would you put it? I asked about San Marina. I think that's pretty much the only place I, off the top of my head, could think. And it makes sense because Strikas is South African. Yeah, and he's Pretoria. Huge Nigerian market here yeah. as well. Huge Nigerian market once Izzy comes. Um, where would I put it? I'd be split between Pretoria, Joburg, and Cape Town. Mm. Maybe even Durban. If it's Joburg, where? If it's a stadium. Oh, no. If it's, I mean, anywhere that you think makes, makes sense. If we're looking for 18,000, where? Um, the place there by Northgate that used to have concerts and so on. You want those guys to reverse their cars out? And... Oh, because they got cars yeah, there yeah. now. It's a parking lot now. <laughs> I just said the same thing to Graham. I said, oh. we should ask those guys to move their, their cars. And yeah. We could have, a, could have something. We could easily in there. That would be crazy. Easy. Cra- that, yeah, the easily in there. Cause Honestly, I'm, I'm... can someone get the dome back for us? Honestly. Please. We can sell cars from anywhere. anywhere. Do we need to sell it in the mecca of entertainment in Johannesburg and South Africa across, actually? We could do so much with the dome. It's crazy. San Arena is big. I don't yeah. know if we can take 20,000, but San Arena is... And Sun City? No, Sun City is just too out of the way. Yeah, it's... It's way too out of the way. Well, I'm trying to think how big that space was in Sun City. Also, yeah, possibly. Mm. Is Sun City also... It's also a nice little destination yeah, to go I guess to. You could, and it's not too far out where yeah. you are. It's like inconceivable yeah. to drive. Yeah, Sun City would be possible. Um, I think Cape Town as well would also be a nice market. ICC. ICC, Cape Town. Um, would never be been. Very nice, huh? I, I've never been. Where does it rank in size? The Sun Arena? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure how many people it could take. Mm. Maybe in the region of 20,000, is that enough? Could it take more? I'm not sure. I couldn't yeah. say off the top of my head. But this fight for me, if you were to... Get a venue big enough to get maybe 50,000. I think you could pack 50,000 in there. You could. You know? Look, depending on the price points, if I was... Look, sell it. Sell let's it. Just, let's have just Izzy here. Have yeah. Dickers here. Have them going off on that racial tension uh, angle that they've been on. People you will go. sell that fight. I would love to see it happen, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah. We, so, we, when I went to my... I've been to a couple of UFC events at San Arena. Mm. And this is before COVID. The oh, UFC, good sorry. I, sorry, sorry to interrupt UFC, you. UFC, sorry, UFC. sorry to interrupt you. Also, on the Bud Light angle, yeah. um, I'm not too worried about that. Why? Because sometimes the UFC goes to Saudi, and there there's no alcohol at all. There's no alcohol promotion at all. You know? It's also um, Saudi money. Also, also they've, they've gone to England. There's no Bud Light. They're, they're proper beer drinkers uh, in, uh, in those parts of the world, you know, like the, the UK, they drink proper beer. They appreciate proper beer. Bud Light won't, won't stand a chance there. So I can't imagine they have much of a market in, but in uh, uh, the We're UK. assuming Bud Light is the only thing he was referring to, but it could be. No, no, I'm just using that as yeah, course, the guys that spend 100 million on yeah. them uh, over you know the what? next four or five years. Let's... Dollars, that Time is. will tell. Yeah. I, I would love it, obviously, for obviously, that would mean it's not 300 then. So it would mean they're scheduling their fight outside of... Oh, yeah, 300, 300 is too close. Yeah, there's no way they're going to move 300 to Pretoria. <laughs> no. So, so, and you've got to sell it over a period yeah. of time. So, so it, it also depends on the timing of everything. And the, for, for sure, if Trick is an easy fight, we lose that narrative and we, all, we also lose that incentive. And you also, another reason, maybe um, Graham 
I don't know if you touched on this, uh, when you're talking pay-per-view, mm. you, you also have to consider, and this is something they, they, they talk about in boxing a lot, um, some of the uh, guys I follow, you know, the experts and so on, when they're talking selling fights, uh, here, nighttime is there daytime. Mm. Who's going to watch a two o'clock fight? But to be fair, Dubai has the, the same times, remember? Yeah. So they take it there and people still watch. That's why the, the Nganu um, um, Fury mm. pay per views weren't as high yeah. as, as, as they would have hoped because it was two o'clock in the afternoon in the States. I was listening to one expert say so. Uh. And because of that, the pay per view was low. Because no one really is going to watch a fight at 2 o'clock yeah, in the afternoon. Gonna, you're not going to get the same type of numbers for sure. Mm. So that's another disadvantage against us. Um, I'm not saying it's the only reason, and I'm not saying it can't be done, but it does work against, like yeah. you say, it's a, from an agent's point of view when you're trying to sell a fight. I think at the end of the day, the next couple of weeks will be telling. Mm. Because we either hear Izzy and Drinkers are fighting at 300, then we know for sure it's happening in Vegas. Um, or we hear they're going to fight some other time in the year. And if that happens, then I think we have a hope that, oh, maybe the UFC will really scout here, have conversations with the UFC as well, uh, and possibly something come out of it. Graham also said um, uh, no conversations with Dana White. I don't know why in my mind I just kind of thought, geez, Dana White after that would be like, oh, let's send a whole bunch of investment to uh, the UFC and, and, uh, and South Africa and see what, because they're doing relatively well. And they've been a good feeder without their fighters being successful. They have had... A few fighters, Four, yeah. five fighters from the two, two the during the Dubai era. Yeah. That I can remember. I mean, there's, there's a few. Okay, so there's Timber, there's Champion Dolce, Don Madge, JP Bice was dismal. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Simon, Drickers Duplessis, and uh, if you remember, um, Soldier Boy McClellan. Garrett, yes. Garrett Soldier Boy. Yes. So off the top of my hand, I can remember seven. Oh, he got clapped, too. Yeah, he was. Oh, he got clapped. And Garrett I like, such faith in him. <laughs> he got so, manhandled. So, like. okay. <laughs> I, said to, I said to Graham yesterday, what, what is the thing about Drickus's achievement? What did he do that others couldn't replicate, mm. right? Particularly given the fact that he was training here, and they did as well, right? Timber trained here for most of his career. Graham said something quite interesting. He doesn't believe there's a skill gap at all. He, thinks, yeah, he yeah. thinks it's just a belief, right? He thinks South Africa matches up with the rest of the world in terms of how we train jiu-jitsu, really? uh, judo, wrestling, um, stri- striking, boxing, whatever, kickboxing. Boxing, yes. Said, kickboxing, I don't know. I don't I, know the market. We disagreed on that one. I said, listen, we didn't have whole arguments about it. But yeah. His position is that it's just a belief that we can go from here and be great there. And, and he thinks there's more to... The team system, having a group of people who believe in you, and as Rickus has mentioned, he's uh, countdown embedded. He had the team training. Is he said that a lot as well? Yeah, about his having team. Having a team that believes in you versus having a group of people where you just form part of a number. Of a yeah, team. yeah. A- and I don't know. I-, I hear you on sentiment. Yeah, it's nice to say kumbaya, and we all a family, and these guys will help me. And yeah, fair enough. But I also do think there's an obvious skill gap. Like you cannot tell me we are on par in terms of how we are training MMA in general. Look, when it comes to striking and boxing, I don't know about uh, Drickus and the, 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 his crew in, in, in uh, Hatfield, but we've, we've had many world champion boxers. Yeah. Many over the years. So when it comes to striking and boxing, yes, I, I think then you can believe. Um, it's just in the other skills. I just don't know enough. I, I haven't heard much about South African jiu-jitsu, for instance, and wrestling, um, and all the other like facets of MMA that you need to be successful um, in MMA at that level. So if, if Graham believes so, maybe he knows something we don't. 
Um, but here's the thing, and this brings me to my next point. When Strickland won the belt over Izzy, I didn't have the belief that Strickland would be defending it five times. Um, I thought Trickers might take it from him, and he did. But I, was, I, I favor Strickland going into the fight, but I thought Trickers has a, has a reasonable chance because I think he's just, just too one-dimensional. Then Trickers won it. Then I thought to myself, do I see him defending this five times? And I just don't know. Mm. I don't, he says yesterday, he says, this is only the beginning. Meaning he's, he's planning in some sort of run. Of course, because I think any champion. And also, I have to acknowledge the fact that he's gotten, he's looked better with every fight. True. He really has yeah. at the UFC level. Yeah. He really has. I, I like how he mixed it up with Strickland. That's, that, that's what separated him um, from Strickland. Um, I like what he did to a friend from Down Under. Yeah. I enjoyed that, that beating, purely because the guy's Australian, Whitaker. You know what I mean? Any any yeah. win over an Australian, I'm, I'm with the South African. Nice. Yeah, it feels very good. Um, but now when you're talking elite, and I think Whitaker's close to elite, as close to elite as Trickers has fought, I'm thinking Trickers is catching up. So it makes for a nice fight against Izzy. But do I see Trickers lasting a year, maybe, to finish this? Five there's fights? Only, there's only one. Four fights? There's only... She's not, let me think. And if he does, then what are the chances of it coming back to... Um, I forget not Izzy now, but I can't think of a better way to sell a fight than Izzy Trickers. And this is the problem across division. There's only one division where I think we have a champion who can go on for for five fights. Only a couple of a handful of fighters. I think, and ironically, both kind of feel retired. Amanda Nunes yeah. was from a female perspective. She's talking about coming back. Yeah, she's she thinking about to, it now. God, please. After what we saw in that co-main event. Oh yeah, my yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Amanda Nunes has to get back as soon as possible. I saw an interview last week. If I'm Dana, I'm giving her a blank check. Yes. Because female mixed martial it's arts. Dying. Oh my Lord. It's dying. It's low death. I appreciate, I appreciate Rose Namajunas and yeah. those people, but she was the only consistent, yeah. yes. consistent female athlete fighting at that level. Mm. Um, uh, so Amanda Nunes and John Jones, for me, are the only two. And John Jones is in question now. Ooh, being heavyweights. heavyweights and... The heavyweight era is kind of yeah. transforming a bit. And the injuries. And the injuries, the yeah. Time yeah. off. But, but I don't see anybody across the divisions now who I think... this. Oh, Volkanovski. Sorry, geez, how do I forget Volkanovski? who's currently doing it. There's very few people across the divisions who I think can go on an absolute run. Now, I said this before and I'll say it again. Drickus will depend on the Izzy fights. Because I think stylistically, Izzy's the worst matchup for Drickus. In terms of... You can give him Kamzat, who's going to come in there and wrestle him, and try bully him. But Drickus is a big boy with some wrestling nows himself, right? He could potentially work his way up and, and finish him on sheer willpower. Sometimes I also think the rugby background helps. Possibly, anyway, yeah, yeah, possibly. I think it helps. Um, Trickis is a bulldozer of, mm. of a fighter. Now, why I think Izzy is, is terrible is because Izzy can play the points game. Yes. Izzy can stay outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. sharpshoot, in a yeah. way that Strickland couldn't. So yeah. what was the difference between what helped Trickis in the Whitaker fights? And I actually watched a great breakdown from a dude named Luke Thompson. I, I think I sent it to you, but you kind of cracked on, which is fine. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the guy was saying the problem with the Whitaker fights, and Whitaker does this a lot in his fights, and this is why I started to appreciate Trickis and his team for the way they game plan mm. and more nefis in them. Um, Whitaker is traditionally a headhunter, yeah. right? He does that fancy one-two and follows out with the high kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Drickus has that high guard, which is impenetrable. Yes. So when Whitaker couldn't land his jab, couldn't get to that high kick, you, you saw him kind of run out of ideas on the spot. Mm. And then Drickus is awkward. And then he overwhelms and he does all this mm. weird stuff that everybody's like, what on earth is he trying to do? Uh, but it's, it's part of the plan. The same thing was true for Strickland. 
Strickland wasn't a, a vicious leg kicker like Izzy is. He wasn't going to go for the body. He's also a headhunter by, by what he is. Yeah. And the game plan was already there. Yeah. High guard, yeah. right? Drinkus was fighting behind his, his haymakers. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he closed the distance enough to get to him. And he backed him up with those yeah, haymakers. Yeah. He didn't he have did. to connect. He didn't connect, but he kept Cause, moving cause, backwards. Because diff- I also saw this breakdown where they said Strickland didn't counter the haymakers. Yeah, he did. Every time he missed with the haymakers, Strickland, yeah. almost out of respect, got out, back, yeah. got out the yeah, way and just way backed and up. Didn't look to counter. So, but yeah. now you have a guy in Izzy who will, who's going who will, for those legs. You miss with Izzy with that haymaker. You'll take a one-two. Izzy shooting for those legs he's yeah. working the body countering he's, he's presenting problems that I think a lot of Drickus' opponents in the past haven't mm. and that's why I think should he beat Izzy then for me the rest of the dudes is a toss up I believe in Jared Cannonier the most but the rest of the dudes are a toss up you see for me here's the hope and this goes back to us talking Africa again first fight yeah um, we have an epic fight mm. wherever 300 now um, for the rematch then you can bring it down mm. Possibly, if you can. You know what I mean? Because we're working up the drama. This yeah. first fight will sell um, for the rematch. When you say first fight, what do you mean? Let's say there's a rematch. Between him and Strickland? No, no. Him oh. and Izzy. Should him and Izzy fight in three They fight and have an epic fight. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Epic. It has to be truly epic and close. Then you have a chance of a rematch, and only in the rematch can you bring it down. Mm. 300 is just too, too close. It's impossible yeah, it's too, for me. It really is. And if, we, if we're just talking bringing it down, it has to be some dramatic fight where maybe somewhat controversial in the winner and then you can start to bring it down only then yeah. realistically can yeah. we have a fight down here between those two which we'd love but it, it would need something that takes months in the making yeah well know? i guess we wait and see um we wait and see if ufc africa at any point is realized or even if uh izzy and trick is what comes next mm. i'm very excited to see him here I can't wait to get to the EFC come March because I know he'll be there with the belt. A couple of friends of ours and mine were at uh, Supersport and they were able to get pictures of the belt and I was so envious. Yeah? Like, that's so... You, you didn't get the belt. You bastards probably watched this one fight of his yeah. and there you are standing with the belt yeah. having a good time. Yeah. Like, you've been on this journey you've with You've been Drickers. following him for years. I've been up... I think you even educated multi- me Do you know what I mean? Like multiple 5am <laughs> till this moment. Got nowhere near it. So hopefully come March. Possibly. How dope what, is this? Why does this happen? What? Where you guys, it's happened with like Chloe and DK before. Yeah. You guys forget that we need microphones to do what we're doing right but, now. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was thinking You were even sitting on yours, oh, bro. I was sitting, like, sitting on the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm ready. And you put the thumbs up. <laughs> ready, guys? <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm thinking lapels, you know. So, by the way, check out the mic and I like one today. Absolutely. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean. You actually came color coordinated. Yeah, yeah, for the mic. With the Vision the V mic. Sports Radio uh-huh, show uh-huh, official uh-huh, colors. Uh-huh. Good on you. You know? Trying so to it, pan it to the top, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sending you a message. Key player. You know? <laughs> I can be a mascot. <laughs> now, let's keep it on combat sports. Uh, for those of you that maybe are joining us a bit later, a little earlier, we discussed Trickers to Plessis, his return after being crowned uh, the uh, middleweight champion under the UFC. You can catch that on uh, the uh, podcast, right? Yeah, and also Vision View TV. So, uh, Vision View TV. Yeah, on v- uh, Vision View's www.vvsr.live. Mm-hmm. So it's available and also on Vision View TV. There you go. So we keep it on combat sport. And one sport that's gone back the ages, <laughs> if not one of the oldest sports of all time, mm. boxing. Absolutely. Love boxing. Um, I, I, find, I fell in love with the sport via... Uh, I used to be behind my head. Muhammad Ali. That's the guy I was looking for. It's funny. Um, from as young as I can remember, I think I've told you this before, <coughs> um, my old man would sit me down and tell me about why 
Muhammad Ali was great. Mm. So by the time I was 10, in my mind, there was no greater athlete than, than Muhammad Ali. Just from the stories. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and when I was young, I'm talking before 10, right? If, let's say, Marvin Agler was fighting uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. So at like 2 in the morning, they'd show the fight on um, SABC back at the time. My dad would wake us up. Wow. They told us, come see yeah. this. This is something you're going to want to talk Hippie. about for the rest yeah, of your yeah, life. Yeah. And here and I am. here you are. <laughs> years later, like 30 years later, discussing... Um, those fights which we used to record on, on uh, VHS of the videos back then Jeez. and just watched for years. Crazy. I was alive with my old man and, and so on. So boxing, yeah, since yeah. I was young. Funny story, um, when I was about seven or so, my dad went to go watch Brian Mitchell, one of the legends of in South African boxing. Brian was like 15 and 15, right? Yeah. Um, Unbeaten, was I mistaken? I think so, I think so. And he went to go watch him fight at uh, Sun City. And in that fight, he went with my mother. Sun City had just been... Uh, built and so on, so it was the place to go. And they came back, and so I want to ask my dad about the fight, and he's like, not in front of your mother. So all of a sudden, we can't discuss boxing in front of my mom. What's happened? So I'm like, what's happened? And later on, my mom goes to bed, and my dad sits down, like, guys, for a while, let's not talk boxing in front of your mother, because we used to talk sports at home a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're like, why? Brian Mitchell fought this dude, who ended up passing away in the ring. That was in Sun City? Yeah, that traumatized my mom. Jeez. So it took a while before we could start watching boxing matches again. And so on. In front of, like, whenever we watch combat sports, my mother just walks away. Till today. She's I actually lied on Brian Mitchell, guys, and I apologize. He was 45 and 1. 45, 1. Why did I think 15 and 15? 1, though. 1 loss, yeah. 1, though. So Brian, he's a yeah, legend now. Incredible career. Yeah, he's a commentator and now. You can hear him run comms and you may think, who's this guy? But yeah. But absolute legend of the game. Yeah. So you were, you were fortunate enough because, geez, unfortunately, incident aside, yeah. you were right there in the peak of yes. boxing's high, yes. right? It's, 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 it's mountaintop. Yeah, Tingantobe yeah. does the like, great it? boxing matches. Uh, Mike Tyson at his peak. Saw a few of these matches as well mm. um, as a kid. Um, great, man. Like, I think I've seen three Sugar Ray fights. Yeah. Um, and she saw live, woke up to Live at the time, yeah. Woke Jeez. up to AM to see. I saw the great ones. I saw Marvin Egla um, and yeah, Tommy Hearns. Yeah. Saw those two live. Great. Those were great boxing yeah. matches. Even as a kid, you're just like, jeepers. Like, we these guys special. are going in, yeah. And back then, the rules yeah. were different. Those were 15 rounders, right? Yeah, yeah. Back in those days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those were you the best. You know what? It's, for me, my, my whole thing was, obviously, I had to run back tapes, right? Yeah. From like back in the day. So I've yeah. watched, jeez, I can't say how much boxing tape I've watched from like the 70s, 80s. I still go back now yeah, and watch. Yeah. Yeah, 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 incredible era for boxing, and, and 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 it makes sense why it's in that period, right? 70s, 80s, 90s, probably mm, the most. Roy Jones, era. Trinidad, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, gee, so great boxers, great boxers. So Lewis, the the heavyweight era. Even now, mm. people talk about it now. It's not the same. Nah, not like the 90s, bro. It's not the not same. Not like the 90s, where you had Lennox Lewis, you had Riddick Bowe, you yeah, had yeah, yeah. the Holyfield, Tyson, all in the same era. Like crazy. Um, they also sandwiched in all of that greatness was, was a dude named uh, Philip Ndo. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest, at least, and I say this with all due respect, one of the greatest, at least at a local level. And why I say that is because he never won a world championship, right? Yeah, but you have um, to look at some of the guys he fought. Yeah, some incredible fights. But for me, you need to win that world championship. You need a world championship to make time bomb, though. Okay, so you tell me about it. Because you, you were there. Yeah. You saw it. Um... Beat Cassius Baloy. Mm. At the time, Cassius Baloy was... Yeah. Dude. Like, he was the business. 
and we're talking early on in his career, uh, this is early 2000s, um, then I looked up after Cassius Beloy, who he fought, these are all internationals, all of them. Uh, some guy called uh, Ermiev, I don't remember, which he won. Um, Claudio Martinet. Um, then Andre uh, Deviatakin won again. Uh, Vicente Luis uh, Burgo, he won. Alex Moon, he won. Yoni Vargas, mm. he won. Um, but these are all internationals on his way to then getting a Floyd Mayweather in his first loss. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a bad first loss to take. <laughs> then he fought Isaac Latwai, another huge name in South African yeah, yeah. boxing. Lost, that was right after the Floyd Mayweather. And lost another one to Love More Ndo, um, two fights later. And no of relation? course, um, I can't remember if there was a relation. I've always wondered, but I can't remember. I can't say for sure. Yeah. Then uh, his last loss was in 2016 to Tugum but then he had to retire. He was yeah. forced to retire. I think. Yeah, I mean, he was he forced initially and then took a couple of years and came back. Mm. Um, brain scan. Mm. Yeah. Now, obviously, my whole um, history with Philip and Doe is what I've read and seen yeah. online and some of the conversations I've had with Peter Liopeng and some of other boxing's mm. uh, uh, wise men. And I know he's well-respected in the space. Very much so. It was his punching power, right? Mm-hmm. And I think... 31 and... What, 30... 30 knockouts or something. 30, yeah. 31 knockouts. Like 41 fights. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Yeah, 81%. Yeah. That's up there with the elites, yeah. uh, with yeah. the real heavy-handed guys to do it. Yeah. As the dude had a... A vicious time vicious, bomb. Yeah, Nickname time bomb. Uh, you make sense, right? Yeah, it's just a matter of time. A vicious hooks off him, but but I guess then my question is, and it's something I asked him yesterday because we we had a wonderful conversation. Now maybe to to let you into what we kind of spoke about. The documentary mm. is coming out. Yeah. Um, on the twenty seventh of this month, um, six part docu series actually, on his life, his career, etc. Um, he was emotional throughout the whole conversation. Really. It was fifteen minutes of him just trying to gather himself, pretty much. Um, you get the sense that despite the high points, there's also a lot of dirt that happened. And this is the thing about boxing back then. Whilst it was great, a lot of these dudes uh, with not understanding contracts or otherwise were getting, mm. oh, jeez, jeez, how many boxes do we have where it's like, oh, and this is the world over. It's not mm. even just here. Mm. I mean, Don King lives today, but <laughs> he's probably got six or seven guys, uh, past or present, who, you know, he's, he's, he's done over. Um, and that's, to me what almost came out because we weren't obviously going in depth into every story yeah. and all the low points and even some of the most significant ones because we wanted people or he wanted people to see that live I do believe there's a conversation about him coming into the studio mm. he feels like he has more to say and oh, wants to come to studio yeah yeah wants to come into the studio and, and talk that message was sent directly after the interview yeah um, he feels there's so much more to say but anyway but, dude, give him two hours yeah I think hours. So, let him talk um, don't, don't put any clock on that Maybe to get to the end of the conversation, then we can kind of work backwards. I asked him about his legacy. Like, where do you think you are amongst the greats? You know, we know the Dinganzoelas, the Baby Jakes, and mm. such and such. And he mm. thinks he's, he says he's the greatest of all time. What? He says he feels he's the greatest of all time. Of all time? Of all time. But we're talking Vianney Bungo, yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah. Jan Bergman, yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah. Brian Mitchell. Yeah, 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 yeah. 40 years old, right? 46 years old. You think it's giving him some time to, to sit and kind of. No, he's like, oh, it's me. I'm the dog. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's incredible. I guess I appreciate the... I'm, I, you see, the thing is, um, I'm, I'm thinking now, and I'm trying to think back to all those boxes. I mean, Vianney Pongo fought the uh, fleshy um, guy from the UK, mm. uh, the, the, the cocky dude with the funny style, um, but it was very entertaining and was great at selling fights. Are oh, you not talking about uh, um, this dude's dad, bro? Uh, ben. 
No, not Nigel Benn. Uh, um, Nigel Benn was in a fight with who locally? Locally, I can't remember locally if you've got someone locally. Yeah, he did. Um, but of course, his greatest fight or, or, or rivalry was mm. with uh, the sons who are about to fight now. Yeah. Eubank. Yeah. Nigel Penn, that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. I can't remember. But I'm saying, ooh, for, ooh, ooh, in the way of uh, the time bomb, I mean, to afford someone like Floyd Mayweather, who's right up there with the Muhammad Ali's, depending on who you talk to, as amongst the greatest, and the argument can be healthy. Mm. You can hold up an argument for Floyd Mayweather. And he's probably the only boxer I can think of, outside of Sugar Ray, where you can hold up an argument against mm. Muhammad Ali. Mm. Um, and for Cassius to have fought him. Incredible. That's like saying I fought Muhammad Ali, bro. Yeah. I am the greatest yeah. in South Africa. You know what I mean? Win or lose, I fought him. Yeah. He saw it fit to meet me in the ring. Yeah, that on its own for me is huge. It's a big thing. It is. That on its own is huge. And that was your first loss? It's no small That on its own is huge. I'd would, I would love to explore that further with him as to why. Like, why do you think you're the greatest? He kind of, you know, alluded to his record and um, some of the things that you've said now about Floyd and mm. the big fights. And had. some of the head fights he's had. Yeah, but I still, I still maintain it. You need, a, you need a world title to get in that conversation. And, and I only say that because we're in a country where people have had world titles. Many. So... So we can't, we can't ignore that mm. and pretend like we haven't seen them. We know mm. what uh, IBOs and mm. WBAs and WBCs look like in this country. Yeah, we've had yeah, 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 heavyweights, so, so champions. So for me, to get in that greatest full-time conversation, you certainly need, you need a belt. You need a, a world title. But then, then again, like, I, I find boxers and most athletes that are of a high caliber... Um, even on South African standards, mm. um, they're like rappers. Yeah. Who's the greatest rapper in the world? I am. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? There is that ego. One hit song. You know what I mean? Soldier Boy level. <laughs> Soldier Boy respect. You respect. know what I mean? Um, there is that ego that comes with the sport. You know mm. what I mean? Of believing you, you, you're the best. So I, I, I won't hold that against him, yeah. but he can back it up. With some yeah. of the names I've read out here, he can back it up. The guy I was talking about, sorry, was Tulani Malenga. Yeah? Tulani I fought, remember him. Yeah, he fought, he fought Nigel Ben twice. Uh, no, no, one, sorry, I lie. He yeah. fought Nigel Ben. He fought Chris Eubank. I remember Malinga very he, well. He fought, join, uh, he fought Roy Eubank. Jones Jr. Yeah, he fought jo uh, Jones that. Jr. Yeah. He has a, a slew of uh, high talent, high level opposition yeah. uh, on his resume. He'll argue he's the greatest. Yeah, probably. He'll argue he's like, the greatest. Oh, I did it. I, I, yeah. I swear, it's that kind of sport. But I'm, I'm, look, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm happy for the documentary on two fronts. We've often had a conversation about celebrating our legends across sport, right? Like, we don't do enough mm. for these dudes when all is said and done, and particularly in this space. Because mm. boxing has such a rich history in South Africa, but mm. one that maybe if you don't explore, you, would, you wouldn't be none the wiser of. Yes. Um, so I'm grateful at the timing. He's alive. Um, he's healthy still. Yeah. Despite, of course, the brain injury that ultimately ruled him out from combat sport. But he's also going to get the opportunity to have the world, or South Africa at least, um, watch and appreciate his story. Mm. And I think that's incredible. Also, I mean, it's, it's important to, to mention and to say this confidently. Um, you mentioned the baby Jakes, and we've mentioned names. Tingan Tobeda, uh, Philip Doe, uh, Tulani Malinga. Oh. Uh, that was probably the last great South African boxing generation. Mm. You know? And now, when you look at South African boxing, it's hard to <clears throat> mention names off the top of your head. Um, like we just did for those guys 20 years ago, 30 years ago. 
Um, so if those guys tell their stories, I mean, um, we we'll start with him, you can move on to each and every individual we've just mentioned now and tell a long story, you know? Um, it, it might help inspire young South African boxers to try and emulate the standard those guys say. Yeah. It's funny, it's like with South African football, we speak of the same era, same time, uh, where, where no one has reached what Dr. Commando has reached. Uh, no one has reached what Shoes did. No one has reached what those guys did. And we're saying, guys, those are the guys to aspire to us. Yeah. I think even boxers need it even more now. Boxing needs it even fair, more now. Fair. Where it's like, look, there's many guys, you and I know, there's many young guys, that, and ladies too now lately. Yeah. I did an event where I was doing ladies boxing um, a few months ago. Um, where they just need that inspiration. Say, listen, and maybe that belief Grandma's talking about from the UFC. Say, look, we, we've got the skills. But All you need is the belief that you can be a world champion, and you can. So that story definitely. I'd, I'd watch that documentary. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Seven, not too far from now. I'm looking forward fact, to seeing it. You know, he's coming out tomorrow. And also, let's not forget. I think an important um, part of the story to talk to talk about when you're talking, um, Philip, is. Um, I was trying to be sure, Nick Durant. Yeah, he was yeah. with Nick Durant, for sure. Yeah, he yeah. was with Nick Durant. Now, it's just about to confirm. Yeah, he was with Nick Durant. And for anyone that doesn't know, Nick Durant and his contribution to South African boxing is immense. Immense. His legacy is carried on now by his son. Yeah. Who's also doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Philip Ndoy, Cassius Bolo, I mentioned Cassius earlier, they fought with Philip. Uh, Silence Mabuza, Isaac Latwayo, you also fought against uh, Philip Ndoy. Jeffrey Matebola, Malcolm Clarsen, Hawk Makepola. Oh, I forgot. Hawk Makepola was also another world champ. Uh, funny enough, Hawk and uh, Philip, when I was young and coming into broadcasting at the uh, Nations Broadcaster, yeah. I worked with them. They were in the boxing yeah. uh, sphere. Uh, Zolani Tete and Maruti uh, Matalani. Those are the guys that were under. Nick Durant, That's he was... What, what, what Zolani did, actually? Yeah. Remember actually, the fastest kid on the world? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it is for me? Here's my fear about boxing, and, and I know that's not where we're trying to take this conversation, but just to put it out there. My grand fear about boxing is the talent, the, the lack of ambition that you speak to is also in part as a result of the lack of success stories we have nowadays. Mm. It was easy to get up for, and, and choose boxing from a young then. age then because there were so many examples around you of dudes who've changed their lives through the sport, mm. right? You would see it. Um, dudes who just were living better, living yeah. soft. And, and there was a lot of, uh, I mean, you know, better than I do. Yeah. Nowadays, you don't see it. Mm. Like, I'm trying to think of the last, I mean, when I was speaking to Peter Liopeng, who um, I often have a boxing show with you on this platform, he, he said to me the biggest check he saw ever signed in boxing was a couple of millions, a couple of million rands, all right? That they gave to guess who? Brian Mitchell. So, so these dudes were back then earning big money. Do you get me? Yeah. Now, whether or not they lost that money <clears throat> by hook or crook or whatever happened, mismanagement, fair enough. But in the moment, you had a, a Brian Mitchell to, to look up to. Mm. You had a baby Jake to look up to mm. who was doing really well. I remember the dude who was on I Blew It. I can't remember his name. He said, in my career, I probably ran through about 60 million rand that I made in South Africa and abroad mm. fighting. So there was a sense that you could make a lot of money. It doesn't feel that way these days. And mm. it's important that young children, young people who can see those examples because then they, I can imagine how many athletes boxing is losing to soccer, for example, 
um, rugby in Eastern rugby. Cape. Yeah. And like, these are okay, guys, why are we gonna, yeah, these yeah. are guys who, yeah. Eastern Cape, you're a perfect example. Yeah. Who are like, why on earth would I go try fight when Sia Kulisi is a perfect example? Yeah. Uh, we see how well he's doing. Yeah. I mean, other players, Lukanyo Am, for example. Mm -hmm. So and that's, like, that's the home of boxing exactly. in South Africa. So. There's so many better examples and difference, and that will ultimately always be what hurts boxing. And, and I think the hole, the lull that we're in in boxing, is only going to get bigger. That, that chasm between us and the rest of the world is only going to get bigger as we go on. You see, um, we complain a lot about... Um, I had an interesting conversation yesterday with uh, Alex Adera, the uh, former um, Bafana goalkeeper coach who's with FIFA goalkeeper coaching, um, uh, Safa and I think Kef as well. Uh, he still does a lot in behind the scenes um, in, 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 in football. And I'm just using this as an example, something he said yesterday. That, that hit me. He said, listen, uh, his biggest issue is the politics of sport, of football, but these are the politics of sport, in my opinion, especially in South Africa when you speak boxing and, and, and football. He says, what's your biggest um, asset in football? The players. And in boxing, it would be the boxers. Yeah. So how do you build? You start with the players. Then you move on to the coaches. But your, your biggest asset is this. Then you move on to the coaches. Then you go to the boardrooms for the associations. Yeah. He's like, now the problem is, in South Africa, how it's set up is the most important asset is the boardroom. Yeah, then down to lower management, let's say the coaches. Then the last thing we consider is the players. And, perfect example. And in boxing, I feel it's the same way, where the promoters... Um, are having their beefs and boxing South Africa is here, there, nowhere to be spoken of, so to speak. Similar with athletic South Africa, you can make the same argument. Um, to a point where the boxers are the ones suffering because of the people on top having their own beefs mm -hmm. over the power struggle, um, over broadcasting rights or whatever it is and not coming to the yeah. party with the SABC. Some you promoters need the are SABC. favored, some yeah. are not. Yeah. Yeah. So the politics get in the way of the athletes and without the athletes, you don't have the sport. Mm. So, same old argument. Which is unfortunate. It's, and, it's, and the funny thing with the arguments we're making now, or the examples, rather, we're making now, and I'm going to say this, it's, it's, it's where there's black administrators. Mm. It hurts to say, but it's the reality. Yeah. It's the truth. The yeah. unfortunate truth. We, we would have hoped it was different. It's the reality of it. But I guess you and me will be watching the docuseries start tomorrow. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm looking forward to it, bro. So I hope it's done well. That's my... It's on Mzanzi magic... Uh, he's getting a big push from one of the biggest PR and uh, marketing agencies in South Africa, Duma Collective. Mm -hmm. So it, it looks right. It feels right. Mm. Like, it's not on, what's it called? Mojalav or anything. <laughs> like that. So, it would be, it would be yeah. lost in translation. So, yeah. They wouldn't understand. I, I expect to see, but I just hope it's, it's done with, with this, this appreciation for the story and the narrative. And we'll see. Uh, come tomorrow. So everyone tune in and we'll get we'll talk on Monday about it mm. and uh, what we saw. But I, I really want to see there's so many high points in that story. I just said Floyd Mayweather, the brain stuff, the, the big fights that he fought, but also the lows as well that I'm sure he'll get into. And maybe the problems that started in South African boxing then yeah. that affect us now. Absolutely. You know? All right. Uh we take another break? Um, Let's take one more. And then we go back into uh Afcon. We get into Afcon, Afcon, Salah. Salah as well, yeah, and some of the the uh afters in terms of uh, some of the players who've left as well um, mm. and have been eliminated, but are still scoring goals now for the club. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Get into AFCON talk, and there's a few things happening outside of just the last 16, which we'll talk about in a bit, mm. that I want to touch on. First up, Andre Onana.
What about him? Um, Joker. A few what guys. A Joker. Yeah, a few guys have come out. Um, the likes of Adebayo, I think, is one that's uh, criticized him, uh, including one or two other players that have criticized his behavior at uh, this uh, AFCON. You remember he arrived late, um, wanted to play in the first match, um, was then benched. He arrived on the day of the match, um, only to kick up a storm afterwards, played in the second match, conceded three, didn't make one save in that match, was then dropped for the last match, which Cameroon needed to win, and they were able to qualify last gasp into the last 16, but he's been dropped. Mm. Um, clearly, the issues behind the scenes are continuing to a point where it's been reported that he's had a bust up now, not with Rigobert's song, he's taking it one step further. Don't His latest bust up is with Samuel Eto. What? He went to the top? He went to the top, right to the top of the food chain. And um, he's throwing his weight around. Mm. And it's getting to a point where I think the feelings amongst the uh, greats, the likes of Adebayo, who are criticizing him, are that he's, he's dividing not only the change room, but also the, the, the supporters. Absolutely. And he's upset in the cart. Remember, this is a guy that was sent home during the World Cup. And I think this guy is running the risk of being sent home once again. Do you know oh, well, not home, but back to Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the writing was on the wall when he did that whole, I'm yeah. going to play this game and then come after. Yeah. From the, We said it. Yeah. I'm so surprised Samuel Eto'o let that fly. Mm. Given who I thought Samuel Eto'o was and how no-nonsense uh, feeling I got from him when he first stepped into that position. So super surprised he let that happen. But what, what do you really have in Andre Onana, if we're being honest? And that's the question. <clears throat> you have yourself... A dude who had one great season, mm -hmm. in which he was recognized for that season. Yeah. But you don't have uh, no one, and for example, Nodoa, who's incapable of playing that position well. Mm -hmm. He did do in the in the game v Gambia the three two that yep. they needed to win, in the, and and to some extent in the first game. So I don't necessarily look at Andre Anana and see where he's getting this pedal still from. Do you get me? I understand it from oh, I played Manchester United. Fair enough. I, I won a, a goalkeeper of the year award. Fair enough. But I just. For me, if he's destabilizing, it's not worth whatever he will bring on the pitch. Because we would even go as far as to say he was at fault for one of the goals in that second game in which yep. he played. Yep. I'm failing to punch the ball far enough. So, yeah, let him, geez, let him go home, man. I, I, I can't understand it. Yeah. I have no idea why Eto is willing to allow this. Going into the last 16, um, the last thing they need. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this later, but they're playing Nigeria next. That's, that's, that's a rivalry for the ages. Yeah on the African continent for the ages. I'm talking going back as far as I can remember. Um, 1990, the best African team, Cameroon. Mm. First World Cup I ever watched. 94 in the US, the best African team, Nigeria. Mm. And that's on the world stage. Um, and growing up, it was those two. Cameroon and Nigeria, you know what I mean? Um, one of the greatest AFCON finals is, my memory is um, JJ Okocha against Mboma yeah. Yeah. Uh, of Cameroon. That is the game of the ages on the African continent. And it's great for this um, uh, AFCON now in Morocco that they're meeting in the knockout stages. Well, I'd like to see them meet a little bit later, but I'll take it now because they're both out in the best of form. But Onana then just upsets the cut yeah. in this entire thing. Yeah. You know, and you don't need that going into such a big moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, send him home. I'm if, so shocked. I'm if really he continues shocked. to... What did, he say? what did he say to Eto? What was the issue? Uh, firstly, they hadn't spoken since Qatar. Okay. So you sent him Qatar. Yeah, you see him every day. Um, since you've been getting your call-ups, you just walk past him. At some point, you've got to say, listen, mm. dude, listen, 
I'm sorry, or yeah, whatever yeah. it needs to be yeah. said to, to, and um, to fix the situation. And to top it off, you arrive at this new tournament and you're still causing problems. Remember, when they won the Afcon, they called him up. He declined. He declined to come. Yeah. Then they called him up for the World Cup. Ended up getting sent home. Third big tournament. More <laughs> drama around the same player. Wash your hands. And you must remember, Song and Etu are close. They mm. played together many years mm. for um, Cameroon. You have an issue with Song, you're going to have an issue with Etu. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. I really, I really don't see what he's bringing to the side. I felt, um, with this Afghan coming up, and he struggles as a United fan. This is what I was hoping for two months ago. Um, he leaves in time. Yeah, I didn't please. know he was going to be late. Um, but I thought he needed the break away from the Premier League, uh, away from the pressure um, of what's going on in England. Comes to Cameroon, comes to Cote d'Ivoire, has a great time. Um, not necessarily win it, but just has a great time. Yeah, it's a great tournament. Good tournament, great time, good team spirit, something just to freshen him up Reset. for his return, yes, to England. And he leaves England late. Uh, the game against Tottenham, he's not great again. So you arrive late and you cause this issue and the issues are continuing. By time, For me, by the time he gets back to England, he's going to be in a worse state of mind yeah. than when he left. Yeah. I have no sympathy or patience for, for Andrew and Anna. I'll be honest with you. I'm losing it. And I, I have no reason to be this, this upset because I'm not a United fan, per se. So the longer he continues to be woeful, the better it is for me. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I, I wanted him to do well. As an African, I wanted him to do well for no other reason than him being an African. That's it. Dude, as an African and a United fan, mm. I had all the patience in the world. Until he arrived in Cote d'Ivoire, that's when he exhausted the last of my patience to a point where I was like, you know what, bro? I'm tired of you now. Mm. Um, had he not come to the Afcon, I would have given him a chance until the end of the season. Yeah. But now it seems the problem is Andre Onana to me. So we, we uh, wait to see what they ultimately decide to do with him. If we're making the decision, I think it's very clear. What yeah, it's gone. Um, for Cameroon, however, big boost, Vincent uh, Abubakar's fit. I think he'll play v Nigeria. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a talisman when they won the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, when, they were, when they were a good, a good side. Um, but... You wonder what level of fitness he's at, you know. Um, For me, the important thing is you lost, you're losing a possible influencer in the change room in Onana, who's just disrupting everything. Abubakar coming back is a big positive in another leader just yeah, coming right. back and just saying, listen, right. uh, to hell with it all. Um, forget this guy. Yeah. Let's all move together in this direction. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's for me the positive. Yeah, team spirit. Because sometimes you don't win a uh, World Cup or a big tournament or even a league. Sometimes not on talent, but on spirit. Mm, facts. Do you know what I mean? Argentina, spirit. Mm. They had it. I'm not saying they were a bad side, but they had spirit. A yeah. gang of team spirit. They fought Cameroon together. They... the best players. Exactly. About uh, Basagod, yeah, the best players. Yeah. like World Beast. Yeah. When Zambia won it as well, yeah. it wasn't like... We had our spirit. That was purely spirit. That was inspiration. Oh, yeah. so many of our former greats passed away in this land. Mm. Uh, let's come back to this and finally win our first Africa Cup of Nations. See, that was spirit. Yeah. That was all. So, yeah, Abu Bakar, for me, I'm just saying, get that spirit going in that change room. Let's talk about the game quickly because um, I know we have a couple games to get through and very little time to do it. Um, Nigeria, uh, interesting to me because they, for me, are the team I pick outside of Morocco and Senegal to win the thing. On talent. On just sheer talent. Yeah, talent, yeah. What they have offensively for me is... Yeah, now, quickly before we talk about 
them the Afcon, the uh, Cameron, sorry. Victor Oshiman, you heard what he said. Mm. He came out saying, I really know what my next move will be at a club level uh, after Naples. Timing? No. Wrong time, yeah? Focus here. You're off form. Um, Nigeria is one of the lowest scoring qualifiers. Hasn't scored, has he? Well, uh, scored one. There's a penalty. Opening game. No, 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 no. no it wasn't. No, no. No, he didn't take the penalty, I think, so in the second game. Okay. Uh, he scored in the opening game, the 1-1, where he, re he equalized immediately afterwards. But he's missed a gang of chances, but clear-cut chances. We're not saying taking a shot from outside of the box that keeper saved. We're talking missing the mm -hmm. target mm -hmm. on a one-on-one -on -one in, in games where they're under pressure and he could relieve that pressure. But his work rate for me still is enough to say, look, he's working hard for the team, deserves to be there. Um, so, yeah, Nigeria need to get it together, bro. Absolutely. They desperately need to get it together. And Victor Oshiman in particular. See, there's teams that play as systems, and there's teams that do well. Senegal, Morocco, where you can see this team, what they're trying to even do. with the talent. Mm. They, they, they're playing as a team. There's teams that are relying on moments of, of brilliance from, from an, an individual. And so far, that's for me, Nigeria. Agreed. They need to, you can't rely on that forever. I just think... You don't win anything on that. Yeah, and it's, hard, it's, it's I'm advocating for what I've seen, not necessarily within the team, but what these players can do outside of the mm. team. They obviously Achilles heel, and I'll keep lamenting it at midfield. Jeez. Another big game. Yeah. Um, Senegal Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, crikey. That's, but now, oh, that's now, not a big game. That's, a, that's huge. Foregone conclusion. But now here's the back end. Mm -hmm. um, a drama, because this is African. There's always drama on the mm -hmm. continent. Um, there's a point when they lost the last game where Cote d'Ivoire thought they were out. Yeah. They fired the coach. Yeah. Only to find out later they qualify as one of the third. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the that was, now, I heard that the, now you're like, the yeah, guy who's been around the team will be the coach. Yeah. Going there was even the, the, I don't know if you saw the scene where the journalists wanted to fight. Yeah. It, well, we don't know for sure because it never happened, but they were very aggressive towards uh, the team and when the bus was kind of mm. moving. They had to almost be barricaded away from the Dude. Spot. It, look, they're not going to win that game. It's just too much has happened now. It's just, it's just, it's so weird at this point. Um, the 4 0 was just against Guinea was inconceivable for a team hosting a game of that magnitude. It's all on the line. At home. Lose with some dignity. Full, full stadium. You know what? I, I just can't see it. I think the pressure now is even greater than it was going in. Also, the, the fact that they fired the coach just and they will, yeah. destabilizes everything. Yeah, facts. So it's a great game. Um, I, like, I like what's happened in the back end of it. Uh, not that I like what's happened to Cote d'Ivoire, but it's just the drama. You, story. It's a storyline, you know what I mean? Well, you know what? Also, there's something to be said about, number one, new manager bounce. Mm. Number two, yeah, 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 yeah. the, the one-off, one-shotness of knockout football. Mm -hmm. Where yes. just on the day... You're at home and you need it. Cameroon, you see them get to a final. Yeah. I mean, just with the home crowd, if they can get behind them in the way that the players need. Yeah. But the problem becomes... If Senegal get the first goal, that atmosphere gets very tower nah. very quickly. Also, bro, Senegal work. I mean, when you, the way Sadio Mane works for a guy whose name is Sadio Mane, mm. and what, what he's Sadio accomplished, accomplished it just says something about the spirit of that side. No, they when you look at the goal scored, the way the whole team, the, just the, the spirit again. There is no... Different. And we've we kind of said, had this conversation in the past. There is no stardom in that squad. No. These dudes are here no. to play for the jersey. Yes. And we've discussed how many players high-profile players don't really look like they want it as much. Uh, but those dudes, mm. every single one of them, from Koulibaly um, to Sadio Mane to the Idris Agalaga, every single everybody. player wants it yeah. and is willing to die out there for it. And that's, it's, it's, I, that's why I think Senegal 
are the, the team I back to win the whole thing. They have the look. You know what I love about it? Like, I love defending champions, like France at the mm. last World Cup. They'd rock up and show up as defending champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they walk we're around the like, look, we got the biggest balls in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like what we're you not going to come here and, and, no. and, and shriek at anything. No. And, and you're right. They, they have that aura about mm. them. Look, it's one shot football, yeah. You never know. You never know. For Especially me, playing at home. There's a lot of games to go through, but Ivory Coast beating Senegal would be the upset result for Ooh, me. Of the tournament. Of the tournament. Of the tournament. Especially no the result Ivory Coast has gone will be no more yeah. shocking than that result. Yeah. Um, another interesting one from a Southern African point of view, and I hate this for Namibia. I love that they qualified Shane, made history. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't mean Shane in an ugly way. But um, they're up against, they, they, they battled against the Southern African nation to get through mm. South Africa. Mm. Um, took four. Um, now in the round of 16, they're up against another Southern African nation, Angola. So that means one knocks out the other, which mm. is sad for us, I guess. But um, that's an interesting game from a Southern African point of view. Yet another derby. Um, Equatorial Guinea against Guinea. Now there's a game. Mm. The two surprise packages, Equatorial yeah. Guinea scoring goals, Guinea scoring you goals, drama. Me, yeah. uh, that's the game I'm looking for. I'm really, because you just don't know with those two. All these games, mate. You know? Jeez. Mauritania, Cape Verde is an interesting one as well. Mm -hmm. I, I give that to Cape Verde. Glad for Mauritania. Are we going to do that? Are we going to uh, predictions? I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, Cape Verde, obviously, for sure. You know, okay, maybe the, others, the others are hard to score. Yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's, uh, try, let's, let's do it quickly. So, Angola and Namibia. Um, I'll say Angola. Angola? Yeah. I'm going to go with Namibia. Okay. Uh, Nigeria, Cameroon. <laughs> Nigeria, Nigeria by seven. Yeah, with what's going on in Cameroon, yeah, I'd have to say Nigeria. Um, that would be a close one, though. Equatorial Guinea, Guinea, I can't call, bro. I'm, just, I'm looking at... I'm hoping I'm going like, to go with Equatorial Guinea because of Insuway. Yeah, yeah, the way they're going, yeah. you have to, like... But I'm hoping for, like, a 3-2, yeah. like, a crazy, another crazy yeah. scoreline. It's different in the knockout stages, however. But, yeah, I'm saying Equatorial Guinea, maybe 3-2. Yeah. I'm hoping for a high-scoring, highly entertaining game. Egypt, Congo, Congo I'm going tough Congo. one. Yeah, tough one. I, Egypt, I mean Egypt, obviously, but Congo, jeez. Yeah, I mean, Egypt have been But dismal. Egypt have... Come on. Dismal. In every game they've played, they've had to react. They've never taken really the initiative in games. And, so yeah, Congo for the upset there. Uh, Cape Verde against Mauritania. I've already said Cape Verde. Senegal. Sorry, when I, said Senegal, when I said Nigeria, I actually was meaning Senegal by seven. I think Nigeria will be a little bit closer to Cameroon. Yeah. But yeah, Senegal by seven for sure. Senegal against Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. Mali, Burkina Faso, that's a hard one to call for me. Mali. I expect more from Mali, man. Mm. I expect more than what we've seen from Mali. I'm expecting that second half performance against South Africa, but like to be consistent. You know what I mean? Um, then Morocco, South Africa, Morocco, bro. Yeah, Morocco. Sadly. I'm sorry, guys. Sadly. Chloe isn't here to yeah. really rip passion football right yeah. now. Nah, nah, nah. But nah. logic football mm. says Morocco. And I hope South Africa punched me in the mouth. Absolutely. And me wrong. Oh, what? Me. So, what would be more surprising? Ivory Coast beating um, Senegal or, or South Africa beating Morocco? South Africa beating, South Africa beating Morocco. South Africa beating Morocco. For right? me. No um, home ground advantage, none no of that. No home yeah. ground advantage, none of that. You mm. know what I mean? So those are the games, and that's what we're looking forward to in this regard. Quickly, Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Interesting. It really is. Clock Especially for you, for you Liverpool fans, because for me it was the perfect scenario, but then it's what you fear mm. um, as an English side when they're probably the highest profile player in the premiership outside of City players, um, decides, 
I'm going off to an Afghan. Yeah. And this is why they hate it. Mm. It gets injured. The agent then says it's going to take him 28 days to recover. Yeah. So even if he comes back, 28 days is 28 days. Yeah. It's a month. Um, so you're looking at, what, March? No, no, no. Mid-Feb. Mid-Feb to late-Feb. Uh, depending then on yeah. getting back to yeah. fitness. Fair enough. Um, so... There seems to be belief, though, that they can get him back faster than 28 days. So it looks, looks like the agent jumped the gun because, yeah. remember, that was the agent that yeah. said so. Um, and rules are saying homeboy can't go. Still has to stay with the team. No, no, he can go. He just can't play. What is, so for as long as Egypt stay. are part of the AFCON, he can't stay. play for, for Liverpool. I mean, for me, I'm saying stay and see if we can get you, you fit by the final. But look, look, Liverpool look, won't want that. Look, there's two, look, look, there's, there's two sides here. So remember the initial report said if Salah, uh, if Egypt gets to a certain point, semi-finals, Salah will join the team again, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was strange. Before I knew he can't play for Liverpool. I thought that decision was strange. Um, in hindsight, my position has changed because I now believe, and I applaud, the, the medical conversations between Liverpool and, and Egypt. Yeah. And Klopp made this point as well, to say there was a conversation that happened between both sides. The, the agreement between both sides and the understanding was that it would be best served for Salah in his recovery to come back to Liverpool. Obviously. Probably rehabilitate faster then. Sure. And then join. So with that said, then there's no issue. There's no longer an issue. I thought that decision was taken by Salah himself to be like, okay, I'm buggering off now. I want to go back to England. Which I thought was a bit of deserter mentality there. But... Um, with what I know now, my feelings are different. If this can get Salah back faster, selfishly for Liverpool, I don't give a hoot what happens with, with Egypt, but if this can get Salah back faster, I'll take it. All right. So, I'm Klopp, mm. right? Or let's say Salah is my player. Um, come back um, and rehabilitate here. There's always the fear that by the time you go back, you may be back fit enough to play a 70-minute game and be substituted because we know that happens as well. Where they say, look, play him, but no more than 70 minutes. Yeah. Medically, this is the decision. So you yeah. play him 60 minutes and yeah. substitute him. But now we're going to have to trust the Egyptians to do that. Do it, yeah. And uh, to keep their word. Well, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Game goes in extra yeah. time. We're going to have to trust them to do that. If that is the case, I'm not saying that will be the case. Um, or I could just say, he's not fit. Yeah. And... And keep him. Yeah. So the Egyptians are going to have to trust Liverpool if this, if, this, right. if this is how it goes down. Right. And if he is to return by the semi-finals or final, then the Liverpool team must now sit and think we're going to trust them not to allow him to get hurt. To overexert himself. Yeah. yeah. It's, look, it's a lot of trust. It is a lot of trust on both sides. If I'm Jurgen Klopp, I am, that man is not well. Yeah, he that's me. Rather, rather, rather wait for Egypt to, to do whatever they do. And it's, it's a bit weird because then I wonder what his feelings would be should Egypt make a semi-final. Because now yeah. he starts to, re- that final's now right there. Yeah. You make a semi-final, it's right, I think he goes back. I, you, I, you won't have a choice. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not at all questioning Salah's loyalty to Egypt. I think he's very loyal to Egypt. Yeah. Um, I just think things are a bit awkward right now. Also, you must remember, Salah's under heavy criticism right now from uh, Egyptians. Dismal. Absolutely heavy, dismal. heavy, 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 heavy. Absolutely heavy. dismal. Deserve, heavy, like, deserve criticism. Yeah, heavy. So, um, you send him back, you're sending him back to what atmosphere, really? And yeah. if they lose when he gets back... Oh, <laughs> got all the way to the semi-finals out and lose the game he plays. You know what I mean? Get, just, goals come off the left side. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, or he misses a penalty oh. or whatever, or misses a chance. Yeah, he has to be perfect. Dude, 
And he won't be 100%. Let's face this. When he gets there, if he plays the semi-final or the final, he will not be 100%. Um, So, Club Club, there's no way. Mm. Once you give him back to me, ah, bro, you're going to have to send out a search party. Interpol. Somebody must come get him. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's locked away in Anfield somewhere. Seriously. So, it's going to take a lot of trust between both sides. And... um, Ah, it's almost like the Vincent Company, Lyle Foster situation. Yeah, facts. Where you're like, I don't, I'm not going to send him back there and he's going to come back damaged. Mm. Um, the Onana United situation. We sent him there, he's come back more damaged than he was when he left. Facts. You know mentally, what I mean? He's damaged. Yeah, right? mentally he's damaged. So what do you do, bro? It's a tough one. It's an interesting one. I guess time will tell. Um, I'm really interested also to kind of see how many of our predictions are, are accurate. Mm. If any at all, it could be way better. Ah, but this is you never know. Never know. Never, never know. know. Um, but thanks, he's good job. Yeah, fun and games. Yeah, yeah. Chloe will be in here later. Special chat. Oh, yes. With, uh, I heard you got the Tyson here. The yeah. Bison. The Bison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in studio. Uh, Have you heard how he got the nickname Tyson? No. Apparently, when he was a kid, uh-huh. um, he was a quiet kid at school. New mm. school, I think it was. Or new neighborhood. New neighborhood that he had moved into. And um, so the bully of... You know, the region or whatever. Yeah, I was like, um, you know, uh, trying to to, to bully him and so on and so on and so on. So no one knew him. And uh, he didn't say much. He just knocked this dude out. Became Tyson. Tyson from there. stayed with him. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, That's a nickname to have, right? Yeah. Is that a true story? Bruh. You know, for fact. True story, true story, true story. That's a nickname to have. You know? So he just stayed with him in football, which is the funny thing. And he just, it's Tyson from the hood. Uh, into big time, yeah. You know, so you're gonna have Tyson and Legs of Thunder yeah. coming through later. You see how that goes? Yeah, sounds like a the plot to a movie of some sort. <laughs> right, we're done. Yeah, Seas, we'll do it again in the future. Have mm-hmm. a good weekend, yeah. Yeah, man, enjoy it. G. Right, good man. Be safe. Cheers. Live. This is the Vision View Sports Show.